quick question. Are you ready for God's word? Yes. Um, we are in the middle of a sermon series entitled Detox. Detox. Now, when you think, think of detox, you typically, well, you know what? Before we get started, I want to encourage all our ladies to make it out to the annual ladies event that will be taking place on May 17th. Yes. You want to make it out to this. You don't want to miss. Um, you know, so many times we hear that people want opportunities to get connected, to, to grow in their friendships, to grow in their, uh, their connection to the church. This is a great opportunity right here. Ladies, you're going to have a blast. I promise you. If you've been to one before and you had a good time, let the rest of your sisters know right now. Come on, give my hand. So... The majority have been before. If you haven't made it, this is your time. Uh, I'd love for you to come out. Now, detox. You might be saying, Pastor, detox is typically about a physical thing that needs to happen. We need to, we need to relinquish some impurities. We need to get right. And, and I said that so many times when you detox in the physical, you didn't even realize you felt that bad until you start feeling good. And it's interesting that many people will say the same thing about, about that in the physical. They say, you know, I used to think this is the way we had to live. Or this, is what, this was life. But then when I detoxed, I realized that I, would, I could live at a whole other level of feeling great, feeling energized, feeling excited, and, and just, just uh, making the most out of life. What if you detox spiritually? What if... What if there's some things that we've picked up along the way that are actually keeping us from living at that highest level? At that level of freedom that God intended for us. And we, we talked about, about 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and that's our focal passage. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 is a very simple verse, but it says a lot. It says, now may the God of peace, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God wants to do something for you completely, not just in your body, but in your soul and your spirit. And he's a God of peace. Now we've been talking about that God wants to do this complete work in you, right? Body, soul, and spirit. We've said that when you become a Christian, your spirit comes alive in Christ. And so now this spirit is calling you heavenward. We also said that the old you, the Bible calls this the flesh. The old you, this is what the enemy uses to get at. He gets at your flesh so that your, so that your soul, that's your intellect, your mind, that's your likes and dislikes, your desires, your soul will gravitate towards the flesh instead of being renewed and gravitating towards the spirit. And so the enemy's going to try everything he can to get at you through your flesh. Now we've said all of this, and I said last two ser sermons were to lay a foundation, a theological foundation of what the soul is, the spirit, the body, the flesh, and, and all of these things and then I said this week we were going to turn. We were going to turn from a more theological, doctrinal uh, message to a very practical message. 
So now that we understand that God has this amazing life that he's, that he's brought, a life in, uh, brought alive in us, then, then what does that mean? It means that we get to live by peace. Today I want to talk to you about the peace that you were given the day he made you alive in Christ. You were given peace. Now watch those words there that Paul says. May the God of peace. So God actually calls himself the God of peace. You know what else he says in Isaiah? He says that he is the prince of peace. So God is the God of peace, the prince of peace. He's the Holy Spirit of peace. I'll show you that in just a second. But I'm so taken by this idea of peace. And I can remember when we were younger, my mom. Come on, this is Mother's Day. Come on, how many of us had a great mom? Yeah. I just gave you an alley-oop. I just, I threw that up there. If your mom's sitting next to you, you should have slammed that like, 360. You should still be hanging on the rim while you hug on her, right? Listen, um, I had a great mom. I still have a great mom. She happens to live in uh, uh, Rockwell, Texas. And so I don't get to see her as often as I want, but I can always remember my mom's famous words. And there's many of them. Like the time where um, I was getting bullied at school. And my dad says, I need you to just stand up for yourself and knock his head off. You know, that kind of thing. Isn't that what a dad's supposed to tell a son? It's like, okay, you can take it once, take it twice. You turn both cheeks. Now give it to him, right? And, and mom's like, no, what you need to do is pack an extra lunch. You pack an extra lunch, get up early, mijo, make that sandwich for him, and then you take it to him and say, if this is enough, enough, if you'd like it a different way, I'll make it that way. That famous advice of my mom, I didn't take it, but I can also remember her saying things like, all I want is a little, you must have had the same mom. It's like they go to the same school to get trained up and they say the same things, right? And they say like, like all I want is a little peace and quiet, a little peace and quiet. And she had three boys and, and the youngest was a, uh, my sister, Elizabeth. And so the three boys were always wrestling, fighting, going at, doing this and that. And, and I can remember her just crying out, all I want is a little peace and quiet. All I want is a little peace and quiet. Finally, one day I said, mom, peace and quiet is overrated. Get over it. And you go, man, that's a rude son. Um, Sorry. But now that I'm older, I realize how valuable peace and quiet really is. Especially in a world that does everything it can to keep you from feeling peace. Maybe that's one of the reasons anxiety is such a problem. Maybe that's one of the reasons that worry is such a problem. Maybe that's one of the reasons that stress, come on, hypertension. Am I talking to someone here today? Maybe that's one of the reasons that all of these things that are, that are killing us is such a problem. Because, but, but wait a minute, pastor. You just said, may the God of peace. That's right. You just called him the prince of peace. That's right. He's the prince of peace. And the Bible says that he left peace with you. In fact, I'm so taken by this idea, and Pastor Melissa is too, that she had it 
done on a plaque by, by Miss Taylor, Letty and Dimitri's daughter, and she's an artist, and so she wrote it on a plaque. It's a wall, uh, is that walnut hickory? I forget what that is. It's a beautiful piece of wood. <laughs> and she had it, we had her write, Hogar de Paz, my wife did. Hogar de Paz, what does hogar mean? It's a Spanish term, it means home of peace, or house of peace. May this be a house of peace, come on. Now, we're not just talking about, and I don't want my children just to feel the peace in the home, but I want them to feel it in their hearts. Because ultimately, this is the house we're talking about. And you see the Bible verse there is John 14, 27. And if you read in John 14, 27, the Bible says this. The Bible says, peace I leave with you. In fact, Jesus wanted to make sure we didn't miss it. He said it twice. He says, my peace I give you. So what is he talking about here? Do you know he just, he has just been talking about leaving them, not as orphans, but as sons. And he's been talking about leaving them the Holy Spirit. And so the God of peace, the Prince of peace, leaves the God, the Spirit of peace to indwell in his followers. And so you have the Holy Spirit of the living God that comes and makes his home in our hearts, in our lives, in our being, and he indwells us with peace. Let me tell you this, peace is your birthright. Because when you were born again, you were born by the spirit of the living God and the spirit of the living God is the God of peace. He's the God of peace. And so why don't we have more peace then? Because I think sometimes we know, we know some facets of our God. But we haven't searched him completely. You go, well, who can search all of what God, who God is? No one can, but we can know what he's shared with us. And one of the things he's definitely shared with us is he's the God of peace, the Prince of peace, the Spirit of peace, and he lives in you. He lives in you. He lives in me. And so peace, you go, how do we come by this? Well, let's finish reading the verse. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not want you to what? I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I don't want you to be afraid. And so I need us to understand something. There's two things we're talking about here. We have the spirit. We have the flesh. We have the spiritual and we have the world. The world cannot deal in that kind of peace. The world deals in a, in a, uh, in a fake counterfeit peace. What do we mean by a fake counterfeit peace? The world promises to give you peace through possessions, through privilege, through pace, pleasure. Oh, we can go on with the P words. <laughs> it gives you, it, it promises to give you peace in all of these superficial ways, but God's peace is supernatural. And that's why Jesus made a point of telling us, my peace is not of this world. I won't give it to you like the world gives it to you. I'm going to give you a peace that's outside of this realm. Now, why is that comforting? 
To me, it's comforting because if it was of this world, then that means I could get my hands on it in a, in a very temporal way. Then it could be my own piece. Maybe I could manufacture it. Maybe I could be responsible for it. If I could manufacture it and be responsible for it, I'm sure to mess it up. Am, am I the only one that would totally mess up that piece? Or some of you are going, no, I would, I would perfect it. I would make it better. And it's good to know God's peace. We can't mess it up. It's pure. It comes from him. And you say, okay, pastor, then how do we get this peace? Well, in that same passage that we've been talking about, that God wants to, what, completely sanctify us in soul, uh, spirit, and body, or spirit, soul, and body. If you back up a little bit in that same passage of 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 21, he gives us a really good idea of how to get this peace. This is what he says. He says, rejoice always. Now that's next week's joy. Joy is something practical that we should have as Christians. Right now we're talking about peace. So he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. So the very first thing I want us to highlight is prayer. Prayer. Now, how many of us right now, if you would be honest, say, Man, I was expecting something deeper, bigger, more profound than prayer. That's like the same old thing. Prayer. Yeah, I can remember being a kid and my dad uh, being a pastor of PK. I went to conferences. I went to conventions. I went to different seminars. I mean, I heard some of the best preachers preach. And that's the good thing about being a PK. You hear like some awesome messages. But every once in a while, I'd be like, man, I can write this message for you before you even say it. I already know what's going to happen. It's going to be prayer. It's going to be faith. It's going to be love. It's going to be walking in the spirit. You know, it's the big ones, right? Am I, am I right? How many of you ever feel like, come on, let's get out there. Let's just say something new. And then it remind, it really hit home with me when one of the pastors was up there and he was saying, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't need. You are, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't already know. I said, oh, okay, at least he's admitting it. <laughs> and so I said, all right, hit me with it. And so he starts preaching, and he starts preaching a very standard message. It was good, but it was standard, you know? And then he said, uh, I'm going to tell you about a time when I was, I was hired as a new pastor, and I went in, and... Uh, I preached the message and then I, I lived throughout the week and I served throughout the week and I was inclined to preach it again. And the people were thinking, what is going on? This pastor who we just hired, we thought he was a great hire, preached the exact same message two Sundays in a row. Then the week went on. And he got to the third Sunday, he preached the same message that he preached in week two and week one and week three. Now the people are starting to get a little frustrated and super worried because they're thinking this guy has lost his mind. He's off his rocker. We picked a dud, right? Because you know, when you pick a pastor, you got to go through the search committee and you do this whole thing and you pray that God would lead you to the right one. And God led the wrong one here. He preaches the same. He's broke. He's broken. Four Sunday comes along. He preaches the exact same message from week three, two, and one. 
By this time, they're wanting to call the deacons. They're calling the church together. They're calling the elders. They're calling everybody. Preaches the fifth Sunday the same message. They said, we're not going to have a sixth of this. They call him to the carpet or on the carpet, and they begin to read him the right act. What are you doing? You cannot do this. Meanwhile, six Sunday rolls around. He preaches the exact same Sunday. The same, the same message. Finally, they said, okay, what is happening here? We're going to fire you if you don't. He said, I figured I'd keep preaching until you started living. See, some of us hear prayer and we think, oh, we already know that. But do you pray? Do you pray? Because prayer begets peace. Because prayer connects you to God. Listen to what Paul says. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. That means you don't stop. You pray. You always pray. You keep praying. No matter what you do, you pray. You pray in the morning. You pray at lunchtime. You pray at supper time. You pray at nighttime. You pray, you pray, you pray. Because that's what connects you to your heavenly source of peace that connects you to God. It connects you to God. Watch. Watch. Prayer is so important. Paul will say it again to the Philippian church. And we'll see that in point number three. But, but after prayer comes be still. And how many of you know that it's harder to be still than you might, you might think? I can remember when I was... We were at the school at the time, and we had just purchased this property to, to build this building. And uh, we were meeting at the middle school, and I came out of that, that service, and I thought, man, that was a home run. I was like, Lord, thank you, God. You hooked it up. And I have those conversations with the like, thank you, God. You hooked it up. Man, that connected. It was good. It felt amazing. Then all of a sudden, I felt horrible. All of a sudden, I felt horrible. And I said, Lord, what's happening? And I, I really felt in, his, in my heart that he said, you can either go eat with your family or you can come pray with me. So remember, prayer brings peace. So I said, Lord, I don't feel peace. I'm going to go pray. I went to pray. I told my family, go eat without me. I went to pray. I was kneeling there. An hour and a half rolled by. I can't get a hold of God. Finally, I get up and I said, okay, uh, he's not speaking to me. Oh my goodness, I don't have any peace. I feel despondent. I feel, I feel a tremendous amount of anxiety. I don't know what's going on. Um, and I went and I, I started watching one of my favorite ministers. And he was, he was doing something silly. He wasn't like preaching the word. He was doing something else. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm in trouble here. Preach the word. Right? Sometimes we get too cute with the word. It's like, just preach the word. And it's like, so then uh, I turn the TV off and I'm like, okay, Lord, if you don't show up, I'm in trouble. How many of us know if God doesn't show up, we're in trouble? God's about to show them that in a little bit. We'll go to Mark 4, but, but I'm going to tell you my story first. So he says, I need you to be still. Be quiet. Go to the property and wait for me. And right about that time, I, I remember that, that Forrest Gump was kind of big, and, and Forrest Gump started running, remember? And nobody knew why, but everybody joined in. So I said, I'm going to go to the property, and I'm going to sit there, and I, nobody's going to know why, because I'm supposed to be quiet, so I can't say a word. But then everybody's going to think, wow, and then his beard's going to grow out. I'm just going to be out there, waiting on God. Can you imagine this, Mike? He was like, this thing, and God's going, be quiet. Anyone ever, anyone ever try to be quiet? How many of you know it's hard? 
it's hard to be quiet. See, I was being quiet with my mouth, but I couldn't stop this from going. And then I couldn't stop this from going. And all this is going, 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 going. And I'm sitting out there five hours roll by and I'm still talking. I'm still going. I'm still going. Not talking out loud, but talking. Heart and mind. Do you know that anxiety? Do you know that stress? Do you know that worry? Do you know that depression? Do you know all of these things start here, settle here? And it's about not being able to quiet it and letting God be God. Because this is what that's an indication of. It's an indication that you've tried to do it in your own strength and you failed. Can I tell you, God, God is the answer. God is the answer. This is where that comes from. It comes from reaching the end of you. It comes from the, from the point of you want to be in control, but control is an illusion. Only God can control it because only he is infinite. And when we try to control a situation, we come to the end of us very, very quickly. You come to the end of your resources. You come to the end of your knowledge. You come to the end of your influence. You come to the end of what? Anything. You name it. But God is infinite. And so he's sitting there. I'm sitting there and, 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 and I wish I had time to tell you all that happened. But I'll tell you this. After about 10 hours and a thunderstorm rolling in and I'm going, oh, Lord, God, this is not going to be cool anymore. I'm already tired and, and I just I just I give up. He said, what do you want? I jumped off that stump and I said something I should never have said. And I learned one thing that in our quietness, he searches our heart. You say, you mean your quietness created that? No, it was already in there and God needed to bring it out. But he needed me to be quiet enough to hear his voice and to let his spirit move to pull it out of there. And then he said, now you're ready. Now you're ready. Be still and know that he is God. You know, he did the same thing to Elijah. He had to deal with Elijah's depression. He had to deal with Elijah's insecurity. He had to deal with Elijah's uh, uh misunderstanding of who he was and even thinking because if you read Elijah's story you hear Elijah crying out before the Lord wanting to hear an answer but he's saying things like this I'm the only one I'm the only one left I'm the only one I'm the only one and God says you're never the only one and it's not about you Elijah it's about me come on now come on now and so I want to share this with you when it comes to be still it means that sometimes and I've learned this in my life it's really hard to be still I can remember going to Balmeray State Park. Anyone ever been to Balmeray State Park? It's out west in the Davis Mountains. If you ever go there, you'll realize if you have a problem with stillness and peace. And God used that little state park to show me I have a problem with stillness and peace. And he's used these different little mile markers along the way when he says, be quiet, be still. He pulls me away. He has me detach. And I start to realize how, how busy my mind is, how busy my heart is. It's been said if he can't make you, if the enemy cannot make you bad, he'll make you busy. And that is so true. You say, what about the, the state park? I remember being out there and it's eerily quiet. In fact, it's so quiet, it's noisy. You go, how can it be so noisy? Because it forces you 
to really deal with what's in here and what's in here and to learn how to just relax and focus on God. Focus on God. And I can remember when my wife told me, she says, your problem is you don't know how to rest. And so God is showing us how to rest in his peace. Let me share with you one last uh, passage when it comes to this idea of being still. And it's found in Mark chapter 4. Now, I know you probably have heard this story a hundred times and you might be thinking, well, it's pretty simple. Jesus calms the storm because his disciples are scared. But what if he's teaching you so much more than just him calming the storm? Yes, 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 pastor. Sometimes he calms the storms. Sometimes he calms us. I think it's found in the questions that are asked. Stay with me and we'll uncover it. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, in the NIV it says when they had left the crowd. Sometimes you've got to get away from the what? Crowd. They encounter a windstorm or a fierce storm, a squall. These are all different words that are used in different versions. I want to paint a picture for you. Now watch. The waves beat, not against the boat, but what? Read it right there. Into the boat. Now if a wave is beating against your boat, how many of you know you'd be scared? But what if it's big enough that it beats into your boat? There's a difference between a wave that hits your boat on the side and a wave that comes over your boat and crashes down on it. That's a big wave. Now Jesus is doing what? He's sleeping in the boat. Now this is interesting because so many times we think that peace is only a matter of pace. Jesus was sleeping in peace because of his busy pace. See, doesn't mean that you can't have peace in a busy life uh, season. You can have a busy life season. It just means, are you doing what God has called you to do? If you're doing what God has called you to do, then he'll give you the peace to do it. If you're doing what you want to do, then, then you're going to be left in your own strength. Amen? So watch this. Jesus is doing what God has called him to do. He's healing from sunup to sundown. He's exhausted. He's peacefully sleeping in the boat. The storm is going on. And his disciples ask this question. Teacher, do you not care that we are what? Do you not care that we're about to what? Come on, say it how you would say it. Do you not give a flip? We're about to die. You know what I mean? They're showing their passion here. Now, Ask yourself the question, is that, is that a true statement? Everybody goes, yes. How could it be true? Where was Jesus called to die? Deuteronomy says, cursed is he who hangs on a cross. The story of Moses shows that Jesus would become sin and hang on a cross And everyone who looks to him in faith would be healed. I know that Isaiah 53 says that he must suffer and die so that we might get forgiveness of our sins. 
I know that the Bible goes through great lengths and prophesies that he will die a certain way. And Jesus was marching towards Calvary. Do you think he's going to die in that sea? Do you think he's going to die in that sea? If your king is at peace, why aren't you? Because they have not connected all the dots about who he is. Watch. Jesus gets up and says, be still. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But then he said to them, why are you so fearful? See, we all think it's about him calming the sea. What if it's about him showing them so that next time I don't have to calm the sea? Because where were they operating? Here, fear, in their own strength, in their own peace. So fear overwhelmed them. Watch. You say, Pastor, but that's a, that's a, a unique situation. How in the world could they, could they, could you expect any different? Well, evidently Jesus expects different because he says this. How is it that you have no faith? Listen, guys, this is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, you've, he, you've seen me heal. You've heard that I'm the Messiah, and you know the Old Testament about what the Messiah is. But somehow you still see me too small in your eyes. Let me show you who I really am. I'm the king of majesty and the creator of all. I'm not just a cute little Messiah that has come to do some little thing. I have come. I have come. To set all of human history right. I have come to conquer sin and death. I have created with a word. And I'm the one who will give you peace. So that you never have to fear again. And so when he rebuked the wind and the, and, and the waves. He was showing them who he was in all his majesty. So that next time I don't have to rebuke the wind and the rain. The So now what do we get from this? Lord, you don't have to rebuke my problem. The truth is I can be calm in the midst of my problem because I'm sure in my provision. My provision is you. And so we can claim God's word. God's word is true. You say, pastor, are you? Number three, be grateful. Be grateful. You say, pastor, what do you mean? It means that gratitude is so powerful in in creating peace. Now stay with this whole be still, prayer, be still, gratitude, because they all fit together. Watch what he says here. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. In everything. Paul goes on to say in different passages, in every situation, in every circumstance, give thanks. Let's just start with the big ones. Sometimes we walk around so gripey, Am I right? We walk around so gripey. We gripe about our children. We gripe about our spouse. We gripe about our boss. We gripe about the, 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 the paycheck we received. Instead of saying, Lord, thank you, I have a spouse. There's a lot of women that would like a great man like me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
My wife is looking at No, no, let me, let me turn it around. She's the best thing that ever happened to me. She is. She's beautiful and kind and great and, and gentle and caring. And she always makes it about me. And I'm spoiled to death. And I'm grateful for that. But sometimes you can have it so good that you start to what? Complain about it. Isn't that what happened in Israel? God would provide for their every need. And then they start complaining and complaining, complaining. It's so interesting because sometimes we go, oh, Lord, if you just give me this, then God gives it to us. And no time later, we're complaining about it. But, oh, Lord, just give me a bigger house. You get the bigger house and now you're complaining about what? Cleaning it. Oh, Lord, I want a bigger yard. I want more yard. God gives you a bigger yard. And wow, I can't believe I got to mow this thing. (laughs) Am I right? And we just complain and complain. And God says, be grateful. You say, pastor, I can handle that. I've learned. I've learned. I don't operate at that level anymore. I don't complain. But how can I be grateful in hard times? Because you claim what God says. God says, sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Lord, I may be in the nighttime. I may be struggling in this hard heartache. I may be struggling in my nighttime, in my terror, in my, in my fear, but I know in whom I have believed in, Lord. So I rebuke that fear. I rebuke that terror. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And I claim that joy comes in the morning. I can't wait for my joy to come. I know that I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but I reach out by faith to the loving hand of Jesus. Why? Because he says he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me, and that I can take his hand and he'll lead me through. He'll lead me through. And so I start to give thanks. Lord, I thank you because you won't leave me here. You'll use this to make me stronger, better, faster, I may not see it all, but I know that Philippians 1, 6 says this, that he who began the good work, come on now. Some of you are going, I don't know that much scripture. (laughs) Maybe that's hard to walk in peace that way. But when I'm struggling, that's what I do. I know that he who began the good work is faithful to complete it. So Lord, you're going to complete it. You're going to complete it. God, I know that I can give you thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because you're working all circumstances for my good. According to your word, you work it all out for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Lord, let my life be about your purpose. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's your purpose that prevails. So I sacrifice my plans. I nail them to the cross and I take up your purpose for my life. Oh God. I know, I know that I know that I know that when the enemy comes and he tempts me and he tempts me in my flesh, I can say openly to him, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Lord, let this be in my heart. Let this be what I feed on. Let this be what I stand on. Come on, I'm I'm speaking to someone here today. I'm speaking to someone here today that's saying, can I just have a little peace and quiet? Mama, I'm telling you, you can have some peace and quiet. And his name is Jesus. You can have all you want of him. You can have all you want of him. No, preacher, it's not Jesus. It's these kids. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. 
Listen to what the Bible says. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is where we finish. And I've been on this for a while now. I'm basing my whole message on this. This world keeps telling us that there's clever little ways to get God to give us what we want. And we definitely want peace and we need it. In fact, it's hard for people, humans, to live without peace. We need joy. We need peace. We need love. We need hope. Without hope, you can't live. So we need these things that God offers, but we try to, we try to get him to give it to us on our terms. And listen to this verse. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. That means, that means the flesh. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. And the spiritual kingdom is about righteousness. Notice how God keeps putting this idea of holiness. And this is the part I keep trying to get across to everyone because we're living in a time where the world is trying to convince us there's nothing wrong with gender fluidity. There's nothing wrong with immoral living. There's nothing wrong with doing what you think is best. There's nothing wrong with, and so we try to live with that mindset and still try to get God to give us what we want. Can you hear me? You will never be at peace that way because that's not what God desires. The way you're at peace is to say, Lord, it doesn't matter what I think. What matters is your righteousness. If it was up to me, I'd give you a few sins that I definitely would like excused. Because it's easier to excuse them than to ask God by his spirit to change me. Do you hear me? So what's happening in the world is this. Let's broker a deal. You bring your sins we say okay, then I bring my sins, we say okay, then you bring your sins, and we just keep saying okay and okay and okay and okay, and there's no peace because only God can bring the peace that we so desperately need. Remember, it's supernatural. It transcends this world. The Bible says this, instead of being anxious, go to God in prayer, in thanksgiving, and the God of peace will guard your hearts and minds and give you a peace. This is Philippians chapter 4, 6 through, 6 through 7. It says, and the God of peace, right, will give you this supernatural peace that transcends this world and its ability, this world doesn't have the ability to truly grasp it. It, it, it comes from outside of this world And it's your birthright because you have the the Holy Spirit. You do. But you've got to live holy. This is where we finish. And so this is why in Galatians he says, walk in the Spirit and walk by the Spirit of God instead of gratifying the lust of the flesh. 
walk by the Spirit of God instead of gratifying the lust of the flesh. I mean, it, 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 this right here, my friends, pertains to every facet of our life. This debate that they're having in the Supreme Court, who cares what you think? Who cares what I think? What does God's word say? Period. 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 I don't have the right to determine between whether I should take a life or not. That, that's not my right. God's word says it clearly. But what if this and what if that? I, I don't know. That's beyond my pay grade. All I know is, Lord, if I ever get in that situation, I pray that I have the faith to trust you. Can I tell you this actually happened to my brother? Not once, but twice. His second oldest child, they told him, abort this child, abort this child, abort this child. Why? Because it's been tested and this is what your child will be. In faith, he said, I cannot make that decision. I'm going to let God decide. I'm going to let God decide. He's a normal little boy going to prom, doing this and that. Praise God. Praise God. No, no, no. This isn't a matter of, of agreeing. I don't, I don't really care if you agree. It's just what God's word says, period. Period. He decides between life and death. Not me. Not me. So watch. He, they get pregnant again. They have twins this time. There's a weird condition going on when one of the children is siphoning nutrition from the other child. They get involved, the doctors and the specialists, which are great. We should go. According to God's word, go to a doctor, go to a specialist. But there's certain things they don't decide. Life and death is what God decides. Watch. So they say you need to abort one and give the mother and the child the best chance of, if you don't do this, all will die. In faith, this is not easy. We're not talking about simple stuff here. We're talking about on your knees going, Lord, God, we're in an impossible situation and all this world is telling us is do this, do this, do this. How can we go? How, how, Lord? And God says, let me be God. They go see specialists in, Cal- in California, New- uh, San Francisco. They go here, they go there. At the end of the day, they just say, Lord, we will not decide what is yours to decide. Mother's fine. The baby they didn't think would make it, makes it. They have a family of six with four children, all healthy. I'm not trying to preach politics to you. I'm trying to preach faith to you. Faith. The kingdom of God is about what? Righteousness. And you have to worry. If the world is so excited about it, that should be your biggest clue. That should be your biggest clue to say, I don't know. (laughs) Y'all are typically right. I know I made it funny at the end, but, but that's true. They're not typically right. The world's the one that uses your king's name in vain. They're the ones that make fun of your king at every, every chance they get. Righteousness. 
righteousness. You say, Pastor, is there forgiveness? There's always forgiveness. But you want peace? You want peace? It comes from walking in the Spirit. We'll talk more about walking in the Spirit as we practically unfold this. But today, today, I just want you to to say, Lord, thank you for life. Thank you for life. And mothers, thank you for choosing life. Thank you for choosing life. Thank you. Do you realize... I didn't, I didn't plan to preach this. Katrina, you can testify to this. My notes are totally different. But I just find it so ironic that this comes up on Mother's Day. I love you, church. Live in peace. Live in peace. Remember, peace is a gift from God. Peace is a gift from God. Lord, on this special day, We thank you for your gift, for your gift of life in Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, you put us at peace with our God, with our Father. And Lord, I pray that we would walk in your peace, live by your peace. In your name. Thank you, Lord, until you return. I love you, church. Have a great, great week. Happy Mother's Day.